Tonight we're going to see Saul of Tarsus confronted by Jesus with the reality of his hatred toward the early church and his moment of true surrender. I've titled this message, Surrender. Surrender. During a particular battle, an enemy soldier, knowing he was defeated, stripped off his shirt, his white shirt, and he began to swing it in the air uh, to let people know that he, he's been defeated. An act of surrender. Thus begun the tradition of ending a battle, waving the white flag. An act of surrender. There's something powerful about watching the act of surrender. Whether it is a, a husband surrendering to a wife in a, in a dispute or in, in an argument and just saying, okay, I'm, I'm done. Or, or the moment where a son surrenders to his father a moment of surrender, it's powerful. Or the moment when someone gives their life to Jesus and, and, and you see the surrender of, I'm done, and I, I give you control of my life, surrender. The definition of surrender is to relinquish possession or control of something to another, Surrendering your life, your rights, your will. For first century Roman soldiers, their white flag was their shield. When they, were, when they would surrender, a centurion would, would drop his sword and he would raise his shield above his head as an act of surrender or an act of saying, I've been defeated. Why is the act of surrender so hard to do? Consider that for a moment right now. Isn't it because it takes humility? It takes brokenness? It takes admitting that you're defeated? Relinquishing control? All of those things are, are, are very hard to do and they're very powerful to watch. Well, tonight as we look at Acts chapter 9, we're going to see this in the life of Saul. Have you ever seen have you ever seen a person or known a person so sinful, so guilty that you you believe there's no hope for them? Well, this was the Saul of Tarsus. This was this was this man. And yet God somehow comes and, and saves him and brings him to this place of surrender. Let's begin in verse 1 of chapter 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he had found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul of Tarsus, an enemy of God's church. A persecutor of Christians. 
Saul of Tarsus. Actually, Saul, uh, in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, it says this. As Saul, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. This was Saul of Tarsus. Taking men and women of the early church and throwing them into prison because they were preaching the name of Jesus. Saul hated Christians. His life's purpose was to end the furthering of the early church. As he journeyed, verse 3, as he journeyed, he came to He came near Damascus and suddenly a a light shone around him from heaven. Obviously supernatural. Then he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul gets knocked on his can by the Holy Spirit. Puts him in his place. Fell to the ground. The power of God got his attention. He says, Saul, Saul, calls him by name, and he says, why are you persecuting me? Do you know people who seem absolutely hardened to the gospel? Maybe you work with one of them. Maybe you, maybe you live with one of them. The Lord always knows how to break through a stony heart, doesn't he? Maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're listening, maybe you're watching, and and your heart is hard tonight. Hard as a rock like Saul of Tarsus. Hardened to the gospel, hardened to the things of God. Maybe you've allowed your heart to become hard through all of this stuff that's happened this last month, and you're so far from God right now. Maybe that's you. Well, I hope you can, you can see something in the life of Saul tonight and take, uh, take cue from him. You see, the Lord can break through any stony heart and he shines his light right into the dark point, the darkest part of Saul's life and says, why are you persecuting me, Saul? Why are you persecuting me? I think it's important to see that when people, when someone persecutes the children of God, they're also persecuting God himself. Because he says, why are you persecuting me? And the ones that were being persecuted was the church at large. And so he says, why are you persecuting me? Look at verse 5. And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. An ox goad was a stick that had a, a pointy a, a piece of iron, a pointy piece of iron on the end of it, and they would use it to, to goad an ox to go in the right direction. And so they would poke its, 
uh, behind area and, and to, to get it to move, to move a, the, a different direction. And, and when, when an ox was, was kicking against the goat, he, he would he'd be pricked. And instead of moving the way he was supposed to, he would kick the goad. Because they're stubborn. And the Lord is saying to Paul, Paul, why are you so stubborn? Why are you so stubborn? Why are you kicking against the goad? Saul, surrender. It's me, the Lord. Raise the white flag of surrender and surrender control to me. This was the beginning of relationship for Saul. And I think it's important for you to see relationship with the living God. The greatest benefit that comes from surrender to God is a personal relationship with Jesus. A personal relationship that is real and intimate and powerful. To surrender means admitting you need a savior. Admitting that you don't have the answers to life and, and, and you don't have a way to figure them out. It's letting go of the idea that you have to figure out life and you can trust the Lord. So many times we think we can do it all on our own, don't we? We don't think we need God's help until it's too late and then we say, Lord, help, and And he is there to save us oftentimes. Look at Acts chapter, look look at verse six. So he, he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Surrender brings about obedience. We see that Saul takes the cue from from the Lord and he begins to move in action toward what he had asked him to do. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Saul doesn't argue with the Lord. He doesn't say, well, who do you think you are coming into my life? He just responds in obedience and says, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Verse 7, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by, by the hand and brought him to, into Damas- Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Saul was humbled, knocked on his can, blinded by the light, and blinded for three days. Saul is without one of his senses. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever lost a sense, one of your five senses, but when you lose a sense like that, it causes you to Rely on the others. 
Paul was probably listening for the voice of the Lord, wondering, what is it that you want me to do next? He's already heard the voice of the Lord once. He was without sight for three days, and Saul is now having to listen closely to God as he is led to Damascus by these men. Paul, we see that Paul is the one that Paul the Apostle, who this is, is used by God mightily from this point on. Yet it all started with the act of obedience. He had a perfect opportunity to sit in dependence upon God as he waited for his next order. Surrender also brings about dependence upon the Lord. As he's waiting, as he's trusting in the Lord, as he's blinded by God, saying, God, okay, you got my attention. Now what? What do you want with me? This reminds me of another story In Genesis chapter 32, if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, we find Jacob at the point of surrender as well. Let me give you a little bit of history on Jacob for a moment. This is Jacob who, who deceived his father and received his father's blessing instead of his older brother Esau because Jacob is because of Jacob's deception Jacob has been self he's been a self-consumed man for many years he's been a deceiver and a and a manipulator but that's all going to change in this moment in Genesis chapter 32 You see, he's about to meet his brother Esau for the first time since all of that happened. And instead of trusting God for reconciliation, Jacob does what he always has done. He appeases his brother by sending him a special gift out in front of him. He's going to be meeting up with him uh, uh, on on the way. trying to manipulate the outcome of the situation so his brother's not mad at him, he sends him a gift. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 21. Look at verse 21 with me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. And he arose that night and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. So he sends over the river, over the brook there, all of his, his things and all of his, his family, yet he's on the other side of the river. You see, before this reunion takes place between Jacob and Esau, God had some business to do with Jacob. 
before Jacob could cross over the river into God's promised land. Like Saul, God needed to do some breaking in Jacob. Little did Jacob know that he would come face to face with the living God that night. Look at verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Now when he saw that he, had done, he had did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was, hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. In verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaks, but he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This man, we will find out, is God in human flesh, a Christophany. Jacob wrestles with God himself all night long. Now, I don't know if you've ever wrestled somebody, but it takes a lot of strength out of you. Like if I was to wrestle with, with someone right now, I would be tired in, in just a couple minutes. Yet here's Jacob, stubborn, just like Paul, just like Saul of Tarsus. Stubborn, wasn't willing to be broken. Yet Jacob is in the same situation. Jacob wrestles with him all night long. And maybe you're wrestling with the Lord tonight as well. Maybe you've been wrestling with the Lord for a month about something. Maybe it's been a week. Let me say this. Know this, God wins every time that you wrestle with him. Not only does he break Jacob physically, but he breaks him his spirit. He dislocates his hip so that Jacob would never walk the same. Jacob would, would, will remember this day for the rest of his life. The day he surrendered everything to God, and he will remember it by the way he walks. As his hip would remember, remind him of this day. Some of us need to be broken this evening, just like Jacob, humbled by the master's hand, willing to submit to God and his design and his purpose for your life, not to be pushing against him anymore, not kicking against the goads, not being stubborn any longer. Some of you need to give your life to Christ. God, God has been after you for, for years, and yet you've never surrendered your life to him. Oh, you know about God. You know him. You know about him. You know, you know a lot of this, but you don't know him personally, and there's no relationship. Let me encourage you tonight. Surrender your life to him. He's got great plans for you. Stop wrestling, stop fighting against him and surrender to the living God. 
Look at Jacob here. All he can do is hold on to God as he asks for his blessing. Jacob is clinging to God for his life. He says, I need you, God. Again, like Saul, surrender brings about dependence. Here's this moment. Jacob has been broken by God, and now he clings to God for everything. Look at verse 26 again, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. That's God asking him to let him go because the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's saying, oh, God, I can't let you go. I got to hold on to you. You're my only hope. You're the one that's you're you're the one that's humbled me. You're the one that's that I've surrendered to, and I I need your blessing. Don't let me go. I won't let you go until you bless me, Lord. Look at these next verses in verse twenty-seven. And he said to him, "What is your name?" And he said, "Jacob." And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with man, and you have prevailed. And Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there, and Jacob called the name of the place Penel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Surrender. Jacob's surrender brought about intimacy, closeness, as he clung to God himself, as he met with him face to face. It brought relationship. Maybe you're sitting out there tonight and you're, you're lacking relationship. Let me say this, God is there. He's waiting. He wants relationship with you. He desires closeness with you. In fact, he tells us if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. He loves you. He's waiting. You see the same thing, we see the same thing in Acts chapter 9, it brings relationship. Surrender here also brought about blessing. It brings about blessing. God blessed him as he clung to God for his life. It means complete dependence upon the Lord. It is admitting that you can't win the war against sin. Maybe you're here, there, out there tonight and you are struggling with sin and you've fallen into it over and over and over again. And God is saying, let me be your, your Lord. Let me be the one that comes and saves you. Let me be your Savior. You see, you're not going to overcome sin. The Bible tells us all have fallen, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one's righteous, no, not one. You can't do it on your own. You have to, you have to let Jesus do it. 
He's the one that can do it. Maybe you're struggling with an area of temptation and, and, you, and you've fallen into it over and over again. It's, it's time to admit that you can't win the war against sin. It's surrendering to what Jesus did on the cross instead of trying to fight the battle of righteousness by yourself. It's throwing in the towel of self-effort and by faith, resigning and yielding to God's grace. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for your life, for your marriage. Maybe you're here tonight and listening and watching tonight and your marriage is falling apart. And you need to trust the Lord by surrendering your marriage to the Lord. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to to do it your way. Trust him. Lean on him. Look to him. Look to his word. Allow the word of God to be life to your marriage. You see, that's the moment moment that everything changed for me, the day that I surrendered to the Lord. You see, as a young, at a young age, I believed that I was taught that never to be a quitter, never to give up. And we think that, that surrender is weakness, but it really is wisdom. Most compare surrender to failure. But in reality, it's success. It's not letting go. It's holding on to the things, things that are right, the right things. Surrender is not defeat, especially with God. It's victory in the truest sense. You see, I threw in the towel. I threw in the towel and only to find that it was the greatest decision I ever made in my life because from that day forward, I was different. And it brought, it brought incredible life to me. It gave me purpose as I gave my life to Jesus and I, I live, now live for him and him alone. I recognized my need for forgiveness. I recognized that I was a sinner, that I needed a savior. I recognized that I needed to confess my sin to my, my Lord. First John 1, 8, 1, 1, 9 says, I, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Same is true for our marriages. Men, we are to picture Christ in our marriage. What did Christ do? He forgives us. 
He comes and he forgives us. We need to forgive and forgive and forgive again. We need to be quick to forgive and ask for forgiveness. Some of you here this evening need to set things right in your marriage. And men, it starts with you. Be the pursuer of your wife and say, I'm sorry. And make things right. Some of you wives need to, to stop fighting with your husband. Stop, stop getting on his case and begin to love differently. Build up, encourage, and, and cause him to win and cause him to become the man that he's supposed to be. Husbands, speak life into your wife. You see, surrender opens the door for change. It opens the door for change. It prepares the way for growth. It opens our eyes to our true reality. Let's go back to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 in verse 10. Look with me at verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying now, Ananias knew who Saul of Tarsus was. Everybody in the early church knew who Saul of Tarsus was. And yet the Lord is telling him to go down to this, is showing him a vision of a man that he needs to go see, and it's Saul of Tarsus. Ananias must be thinking, man, this, this is not you, Lord. This must not be you. You're, you've got to be kidding In verse 12, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered the Lord, I have heard from, from many about this man, how much harm he has done for your saints in, in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to Bind all who call on your name. God, do you know who you're talking about? Do you know this? Do you know who this man is? Saul of Tarsus? The one that persecutes your church and could put me in prison? You want me to go see him? You see, we're going to see another moment of surrender in the life of Ananias. As God calls Ananias to do something that doesn't make sense. In church, sometimes God calls us to do things that don't make sense. But we need to be obedient. 
We need to depend upon the Lord that he's going to be with us. He's going to make sense of it. Look at verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Again, Surrender brings obedience. Look at what happens to Ananias in 17. And Ananias went his way and entered that house. He didn't question it. He did it. And he laid hands on him and said, get this, Brother Saul. The wording here is is intimate. Brother Saul. You must be a brother because the Lord wouldn't be asking me to do this if you weren't. You must be a brother. You brother Saul and the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came. He sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that day, Saul of Tarsus was filled with the Spirit filled with the Holy Spirit, and God empowered him to be his witness from that day forward for his namesake. That moment, his life was changed. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, became Paul the Apostle in this moment as as God takes his life and took him on a different trajectory and started using him in his, his life for a different purpose. You were a persecutor of the church, now you're going to be a winner of souls for the church. Surrender brings blessing again as Paul is healed and his life is filled with the Spirit. And look what happens in verse 18 and 19 and we'll end there tonight. Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Surrender brings intimacy at the end of these verses as he has relationship with the believers there in Damascus. Saul, a persecutor of the church, one that was against Christ himself, was against anyone who would speak the name of Christ, is now going to be a winner of souls for Christ. You see, no one's out of the reach of the gospel. Never. No one. In fact, if you think you're sitting there tonight and you think, I'm so far, you don't know what I've done in my life, I'm telling you right now that that God wants to save you. He wants relationship with you. And he desires intimacy with you. And once you step into that relationship with him, he will put you He will give you purpose. 
and a plan for your life like never before. As we close, what are you wrestling with tonight? What are you wrestling with tonight? Are you wrestling with the Lord? You see, God knows the thoughts that you have. He knows what you're wrestling through. And let me say this, let it go. Let go and let God do what he wants to do in your life. You see, if you wrestle with him, he will win. That's a fact. See, tonight, it's time. It's time to let it go. Maybe you're sitting there and you're, you, need, you need Jesus. The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one is righteous. That means you're in need of a savior. And Jesus is waiting. He's waiting for you to surrender your life tonight and come to him. Trust him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So come, come to him. Surrender tonight. Maybe some of you are, are struggling in, in your marriage, struggling with a friendship, struggling with a child, or you're, you're struggling with your parent. And tonight, it's time to surrender and say, I'm sorry. And to, and, and to make things right. Reconcile the relationship just as Christ reconciles with us. You see, Jesus went to the cross and made a way for us. And all you gotta do is come. Say, Lord, I'm done. I'm done running. I'm done hiding my sin. I'm done uh, running from you, Lord. And, and, and I'm going to give you everything tonight. If that's you, I encourage you, do it now. You're not promised life tomorrow. But you're, you're pro you have life now. And so, receive him. Receive the Lord tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you tonight, Lord, surrender is so hard because it takes humility, it takes brokenness, it takes relinquishing control trying to figure it all out and Lord we can't outside of you but Lord with you comes clarity with you comes peace with you comes grace with you comes, comes love and acceptance and so Lord would we come to you tonight and surrender and Lord may you come 
through that surrender and bring blessing and bring relationship. As we surrender those areas in our life, as we surrender our will to you, Lord, be be God right now and break through our stony hearts and our stony areas, Lord, that we need we need broken. And Lord, may we surrender to you tonight. And I pray for those that may not know you tonight, that they would give their life to you, that they would surrender to you, the true and living God. We know that you went to the cross and you died on the cross for our sin and that you rose again and that you live today. And Lord, that you, are, you, you make way for us to have relationship with the Father. But it takes surrender. It takes repentance. And so, Lord, help us. Pray for those right now that are out there that need to do that, that they would do that right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.